On this episode of That Was a Show. Hello, television fans. Hello, podcast fans. Hello, fans of both television and podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us for another very special episode of That Was a Show. This is officially our season one finale. By now, we've reviewed more than 20 sitcoms, and hopefully we've answered our own question that these were, in fact, shows. We've got some fun stuff planned, so sit back, relax, and don't touch that dial. Or, um, I guess, uh, just keep playing the podcast. That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Back from the music and... Hey, Barry. Hey, guys. What's going on? Connecting over Zoom yet again. Yep. Oh, yeah. Can you believe we've made it to the end of our first season? The season finale, or a finale, as you guys say. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, most people say finale, Barry, but, you know. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a split. It's a potato-potato thing, but uh, <laughs> I will say, I actually, in my, I was, I was a finale person, but I have definitely gotten more pretentious as I got, I've gotten older, and it, I'm, I'm full-on finale guy. Mm. All right. I'll even say penultimate. <laughs> you know, that's that's the episode before the finale. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, uh, our penultimate episode for the season, Jennifer. Uh, slept slept here. here was a very good episode. That was the most fun I've had reviewing one of these shows, just in terms of like laughing yeah. at, at everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was listening to it the other day, and uh, it, it was actually cracking me up quite a bit. So yeah. uh, you know, if you just skipped right to the end of the season, go <laughs> listen to some other episodes, guys. Yeah. yeah, especially that one. I mean, I think it's great for us to mention that we've now done a full season, which is a lot better than some of the um, sitcoms that we've reviewed. So <laughs> <laughs> shots oh, fired. We have actually, yeah, we've done, we've definitely done more. We've produced more content than ninety percent of the shows we covered. Yeah. Okay, so... All right, thanks for coming, guys, and I'll uh, <laughs> see you guys next season. <laughs> All right, guys, let's start the actual festivities here. A very iconic trope from 80s and 90s sitcoms is the clip show. Shows like Seinfeld, Cheers, Friends, and Family Matters all did a clip show. Clearly, we need to do one. Do we, though? Come on, it'll just be a few minutes. The Simpsons did it. All right, fine. If the Simpsons did it. So let's start where it all began, our very first episode about a show that encapsulates all that is failed and or forgotten and some of the most popular tropes of its time, Aliens in the Family. Why are they dancing to the Bee Gees? 
It's 1996. They spent money on licensing this song, like good money. Because, you know, that's how contemporary 90s teenagers dance. Like, who is the target audience of this? You got to love that there's no dance floor. Like, there's a little bit. No one else is dancing. No. Yeah, it's one in the afternoon at a lunch service at a country club. Nobody's dancing. By the way, the thing that makes the baby's eyes do that is probably where half the budget of this show (laughs) went. Yeah, it is. Like, the puppeteering is fine. On Boba. On, on Boba. Boba. The puppeteering <laughs> on the baby is yeah. fine. Man, we were such babies. I know, we were just getting our sea legs going for this yeah. whole hosting a podcast thing. It was fun, though. Man, that's such that's such pre-first wave energy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, this is also where I learned how much you two were going to get into the weeds on pop culture. For example... I would say TGIF is pretty, pretty iconic for people who are around our age. So in their 30s, it it holds a a lot of nostalgia for us. I remember at the time watching a lot of shows that were branded as TGIF, but I wasn't like aware that that was like a curated program. See, not me. I was a TGIF nut. I would sit down and watch the whole lineup. No matter beginning if to I, end. Yeah. No matter if I yeah. liked the shows. In fact, some of them being aware of at the time that I actively was not enjoying, I would still watch it because they were on TV and it was TGIF and everybody watched TGIF. Yeah, everybody watched TGIF. And do you guys remember the TGIF theme song? Uh, it's Friday night and the mood is right. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, that was pretty shocking that you didn't have the same history with TGIF as us. Especially considering how much sitcom like quantity I consumed at the time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we really could have, we honestly could have done an entire podcast on TGIF. Well, maybe we still will. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Remember when we actually got the composer who did the theme song for Seinfeld and like 75 other shows to do an interview with us? Yeah, the incredibly talented and lovely Jonathan Wolf. Do you remember when we all had that like little like pre-recording session war room? We were we were <laughs> basically just making each other promise not to talk about Seinfeld. Just yeah. don't talk about Seinfeld. Yeah. But then this happened. Okay, let's go for it. We weren't supposed to talk about Seinfeld. <laughs> but Seinfeld's a good example of places where I got to stretch my legs a lot. For example, it became a a running gag chase scenes in Seinfeld. I oh, love yeah. the chase scenes in Seinfeld. Yeah, it was kind of a a trope. Oh, I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a that's a life highlight right there. Yeah. I I feel like we all looked at each other in that moment and we were just like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we didn't have to bring it up. He brought it up. <laughs> uh, incredible. Another highlight from that interview has to be when he mentioned uh, watching you on the internet, Bryn. <laughs> at a certain point, I think I once heard a, a wonderful storyteller say, take action when you are ready. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was you, Bryn. Uh, <laughs> did you really just watch a YouTube video of me? I did. Oh, my oh. goodness. I'm so flattered. Yeah, there was an, an old video of me um, telling a story live, and he he watched it, I guess. 
<laughs> yeah, it was really, really nice. It was something I needed to hear. Like I needed to kind of have a compliment from somebody that I admired. So that was awesome. And it really kind of signaled to us that we were also on the right track with this podcast. The fact that he was so engaged in participating in our show that he actually looked you up and <laughs> did yeah. his research. It was incredible. Our guest co-host, Sam McAdam, for episode eight, had some great insights on the short-lived spinoff of The Golden Girls, The Golden Palace. What do you think is the number one reason or the reason why the show is canceled? They needed to be retired. <laughs> That's what I, honestly, I just think it was too odd and too problematic. And I, I think the show was really well done. They did the best they could do with it. And uh, I don't know if you guys caught the like the little line too when they were like explaining a couple of things that they explained. They kind of just did like a little one liner when they were like, "Oh, uh, Shady Pines that burnt down years ago." And they're like, "Yeah, they rebuilt it." There's a few things like that that I was like, "Okay, I'll turn a blind eye to that." But really, I just could not get into it because I feel like they needed to be retired. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> no. Yeah, we all thought Shady Pines was a better option. I know we're supposed to be rooting for her to stay with them, but like, go, I, I hope that, yeah, go to, yeah, I hope There's that, circuses and massages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems I way go nicer. Live there. I would love to go live there. <laughs> the best thing was that Sam just joined our dynamic as a co-host so smoothly, and it was it was so great to have her on the show. Yeah, we're looking forward to having more awesome guest co-hosts in season two. So one of the running themes for us this year was stupid titles. And while the missing H in whoops still drives me bonkers, <laughs> I'd say my least favorite titled show we covered was Muddling Through. One of the worst things about Muddling Through is the title Muddling Through. And oh, if there was one man. reason that I had to pick, one reason why it was canceled... It's and not that there aren't, in my opinion, many deserving reasons to cancel it. But if there's yeah. one reason it was canceled, it's the title. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go for a, a, a terrible title like Muddling Through, you got to lose the G and put an apostrophe yeah, it's there. Not even it's gotta be, yeah. It's got to be muddling. It it's can't muddling. be. Yeah. I, I thought it was muddling with the N yeah. apostrophe and I kept saying it like that. And then I watched, I was like, wait, no, it's actually I-N-G. <laughs> oh, it's, it's still true. Just in preparation for this finale, I typed the name of that show and I, I accidentally put muddling with an apostrophe. And then a few seconds later, corrected myself and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was muddling for some reason. <laughs> oh, just, ugh. Out of This World was by far our most requested sitcom to cover. The show turned out to be pretty offensive in all the usual ways, but nothing offended Aaron more than a Civil Shepherd joke. The mom makes a joke in a typical like one-liner fashion that she's Civil Shepherd. We've disputed this. I don't think that's funny. I don't understand how anyone who's 13 would find that amusing. She was a big star. It would be like, it's no different than saying... Hey, who is it? Uh, who? God, who the fuck's big now? Uh, it's who the fuck's big now? That's I don't funny. Know, Demi Lovato. <laughs> Not that big, but yeah. you know, like it's it's Jennifer, it's Jennifer yeah. Aniston. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, it's that's how big she was. There's a live studio audience, or at least the perception of one, with a laugh track, and there's no laugh after that joke. It just hangs there in the air. 
Yeah. He goes away. I don't think I've ever seen Aaron take exception to a joke as hard as he took exception yeah. to the, the you were civil really, shepherd joke. You were really offended by that. He's not got a, like not a, s- seven pages of notes. Not, where he's yeah. like, it's not that I'm offended by it. It's just I feel like I <laughs> who feel the, like who the fuck do they think they are? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like if it's, it's gonna keep him up tonight. If it's if it's the first, I'm <laughs> uh, gonna hear him muttering to himself, <laughs> muttering, fucking Sybil Shepherd. God damn it. It's terrible <laughs> joke writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really went on a tear about that. Man, I still don't know what your problem with Sybil Shepherd is. Mm, I don't have a problem with Sybil Shepherd. I have a problem with the joke. <laughs> Remember that time when we all got so excited about a show because it was the first time we felt like we discovered an absolute hidden gem that hardly anyone had ever heard of before? All three of us had a lot to say about Hi Honey, I'm Home. I especially went a little overboard on my opening description. So, Mike needs to keep their true origin a secret to protect them. Elaine needs to contend with Lloyd's backward attitudes in order to maintain a friendship with Honey. And the Nielsens are learning to embrace their new surroundings, a world that is starkly different from the saccharine comfort of the television show where they used to live. <laughs> so that, that was, was a, a, that was, a very that was long a, explanation. That was, a, that was a long walk to get to what would happen if a 90s sitcom family lived next to a 50s sitcom family. <laughs> <laughs> I did admittedly go down a bit of a rabbit hole in planning out this description. You really errand <laughs> it there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Yeah, Aaron, you are absolutely not in any way short-winded. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started theorizing what the future of the show could have been if it had kept going. I would wonder if the show went on long enough if they discovered that they're also a sitcom family. Oh, like, oh man, how good would that be? Oh, that yeah. would be such a good twist. Yeah. yeah. That they are a show within a show or something yeah. like that, and the universe yeah. expands. Oh, oh, man, that would yeah. be so next because level. Because the three, yeah. the three. I don't know the, if they had the, that yeah. plan, but you know. Like, like a that Truman Show sort of scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah, we got pretty overzealous there. But that would have been a great show. That would have been really, really awesome. I oh, stand yeah. by it. Yeah. yeah. Barry. What? It's you got to go ahead. It's your it's your thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh what what does that say? Barry introduces clip he pick from Joni Loves Chachi. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh here's a clip from our episode about Joni Loves Chachi. Interesting to note. Um I can't remember the last time I saw a show that uh objectified a man quite as much as this show yeah. does. Like this show <laughs> yeah, true. is they like do. At, they, they do it as much every, to Chachi. Yeah. At every turn, more, more. Yeah, yeah. At every turn. Yeah. Like Chachi, Chachi yeah, is, is like, actually, <laughs> people are like, this guy's hot. And like his family members are saying it like. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's an irresistible presence. Yeah. One of my notes here is that it seems like the show was just a Scott Bayo kissing vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a vehicle for Scott Baio to kiss yeah. people, but also the fact that it wasn't called Joni and Chachi are in love with each other. <laughs> I stand by the fact that the title says exactly what the problem is built into it. 
Yeah. And then, you know, my hot take was that it should be like Chachi loves Chachi because yeah, he only, really only Chachi truly loves Chachi. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of fun segments on the show this year. I think my favorite uh, is Bryn's segment, uh, Six Degrees of Friends, uh, where she yeah. connects different shows to uh, to friends in less than six degrees. So let's hear all the different ways she managed to connect shows that we covered to friends. John Bedford Lloyd, our patriarch of Aliens in the Family, he had a reoccurring role on Spin City in which he co-starred with Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck was on Mad About You alongside Lisa Kudrow, who had a reoccurring role as Ursula Buffet, the waitress, the twin of Lisa Kudrow's other character, Phoebe Buffet on Friends. <laughs> we have Giovanni or Vani Rabisi, Skinner Buckley in Davis Rules. He goes on to play Frank Buffet Jr. in Friends. Deborah Jo Rupp, who plays Ms. Higgins, plays Alice Knight Buffet, his much older wife. She's actually Frank Buffet Jr.'s former high school teacher. Phoebe Buffet ends up being their surrogate. <laughs> so Jamie Farr and William Christopher both guest starred on Mad About You. Oh, okay. another Mad About yeah, You connection. And, and so Ursula Buffet, who's played by Lisa Kudrow, the twin sister of Phoebe Buffet. The Buffet Mad About You connection. It is a strong one. Yeah, we're going to have to start removing it. <laughs> And then there's even another additional Phoebe Buffet uh, connection, if, you, if you're willing to hear it. Born ready. I guess so. Brian McNamara, guest starred on Mad About You. Mm -hmm. So it's a Mad About You, Phoebe Buffet combination. Well, yeah. you've been banned from using that, but you did warn us, so. Uh, the next one is one that you guys are going to be mad about because it's from Mad About You. Yeah, it wasn't Ray Perlman on it. <laughs> Yeah, basically a reoccurring role on Mad About You. Mad About You also features Lisa Kudrow as Ursula Buffet, who is the twin sister of Phoebe Buffet. Oh, no way. Aaron's so upset. <laughs> just a warning, just a trigger warning for both of you. <laughs> so oh, it's a, it's a buffet warning, everyone. <laughs> She, of course, played Ursula Buffet, Phoebe Buffet, Ursula Buffet, Phoebe Buffet and Friends. <laughs> Tom Virtue also had a reoccurring role on The Comeback, which, of course, starred Lisa Kudrow, who played... Who did, Le who did Lisa <laughs> Kudrow play on Friends? Phoebe Buffet. <laughs> As the first season of this podcast evolved, we were able to see which episodes the listeners were loving and which ones they were not. Our most popular episode so far is Townies, and our least popular is undoubtedly Davis Rules. Apparently, <sighs> Davis does not actually rule. No, fucking Davis fucking sucks. I don't <laughs> care. I know I swear more than I should. But fuck that show. Yeah, and it's also interesting that the second least popular episode of our podcast is Big Wave Daves, which oh. has a strikingly similar name in the title. Yeah, I don't know. 
It's a it's a thing. The Daves the Daves have had their day. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they have. I, I mean, I'm kind of annoyed with the Davis rules thing because yeah, the show is dumb, but our episode is great. Like I thought we had a lot of fun talking about that. Yeah, that was a very funny episode and you know, people should uh, give it a chance. Yeah, come on, people. Just give it a chance. In fact, we were thinking that maybe for our finale, we would go back and watch another episode of Davis Rules to kind of foist that on the listeners. But then we got to talking about it and realized, nah, we don't really want to watch another episode of that show. <laughs> so, no, I I threatened to walk. <laughs> so instead, we're going to go back to where it all began and finally watch episode two of Aliens in the Family. I love how she's a super intelligent alien, but she still just wants to like throw a party for her husband's yeah. like boss. It's so weird. Ah, <laughs> snizzy. I think this was also sort of a trope, like a go to special effect uh, yeah. is like the min the miniature person. Yeah. yeah, we had that in um, The Charmings. Yes. And it was in Jennifer Slept Here. Yes. We yeah. had a miniature in Jennifer Slept yeah, Here? Yeah, she was, remember he like opened the cupboard and she was in the cupboard sitting on Ugh. like a box of cereal or some stupid thing like that. It sounds about right. It's just a good low budget special yeah. effect. Yeah, there's always like a miniature. Yeah. I'd Minis also like to point out that Keep an keep an eye out on the top half or the top of the uh, frame. They they keep basically misframing and getting the top of the set in, and it's really distracting. Right, because he's so much taller than her. Look, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, you can see above oh, the walls. It's so Come on, oh, it's so bad. Come on, you can actually see above the set. <laughs> what? <laughs> No one cared at this point. They were like, this show's getting shit This canned. is episode two. <laughs> episode I know, two. but they knew. Is the implication here because she was only abducting people that she was into. So was she like into this girl in the past too? Or I don't know. Is this... Is this what passed for bi representation in the 90s? I think they were just implying that she abducted various people. But she abducted Doug. Right. Let's assume that's his name. Yeah, it's Doug. But you're also taking a big leap there, suggesting that she finds him attractive. Yeah. <laughs> He's her that's meal Doug. ticket. It's... <laughs> you you want to finish building that house set? No? Okay. <laughs> Just going to grab one theater flat? Yeah. Just going to grab one stage yeah. flat and just wheel it out there, huh? Wow. Is that Sally Jesse Raphael? It sure. It's, it's, it really yeah. is. Yeah. 100%. A full-on crossover with a talk show? Yeah. And they're candy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, it's friends. <laughs> okay, this was good. Touche. Ugh. I, I will say that a genuine laugh from that was just the yuckles, just just the re just the reveal of the yuckles listening on the couch was just great. Anything yuckles. Uh, yeah, I would actually say that the yuckles B story was solid. Yeah, they really saved that uh, episode. Snizzy in general. 
Snizzy, because it was Snizzy related, clearly yeah. it was going to be good. So we yeah. should describe what the yuckles were. They're basically a candy that's a jube jube or a gumdrop of some sort that Snizzy reanimated. And they're like large like creatures that are like humanoid and speak. And so it's kind of awesome. They're little Muppets. They're, yeah, they're, they're, you know. Yeah, but they yeah. look like big gumdrops that yeah. like like speak. And uh, yeah, like there is a, a friends scene where that was funny. That, that was, was very that was funny. funny. We're just all over the place. So we just watched Aliens in the Family episode two, <laughs> uh, and there is a, a subplot where Snizzy, the teenage-ish she, daughter, yeah. she's a preteen. She's a preteen uh, alien daughter uh, had to give up her precious candy to a bully. But instead of doing so, she uh, performed an experiment on them, brought them to life, made them into giant talking. I think the intention was to just make the candies big so that she'd have more candy. But then they came to life as yeah. creatures and became <laughs> her entourage. And they were, became and amazing they, they, characters. They were delightful. And yeah. at the end of the episode, they're like, what happened to the yuckles? And they're like, oh, well, coming up next on TV, it's the... <laughs> The Yuckles, and it's like just they have a Friends-esque sitcom that is just about 20-something puppet candies living in New York. And one has the <laughs> the, the iconic Rachel uh, haircut, so yeah. it's clearly a straight-up parody of Friends. Another plot line seems to involve, what's, what's her name, the mom alien? Cookie. 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 Cookie seems to have abducted various humans in the past and uh, her husband, Doug, we know he was abducted, but we learn in this episode that she abducted the wife of his boss and sorry, the wife of his client and the wife of his boss. I'm kind of know. confused. Whatever. I, don't, I, I don't know. I but, was uh, half paying attention. Yeah, it's hard to say why the implication of why she was abducting those women i mean we could theorize that she is a queer alien icon <laughs> yeah this is what passed for bi representation in the 90s <laughs> there was a, a equal opportunity uh partner abduction yeah. yeah but at the very least we do learn that there have been various other human abductions in her past and I feel like that is a thread that could be interesting to explore further, but they don't really go into any depth to explain any of that. Yeah. Most of that plot line ends up just fat shaming one of these women and giving her some special like alien diet drink to lose weight <sighs> when she was clearly already thin. And then she ends up on Sally Jesse Raphael talking about how she was abducted by aliens and lost weight. So there's two pretty incredible like 90s time capsule moments like mm -hmm. the appearance on Sally Jesse Raphael and the Friends parody. Like it is a very 90s like episode. <laughs> I'm really shocked that I got a genuine laugh out of this show, like with the the moment Puppets. where <laughs> we're in the middle of like that tense moment. The camera reveals the yuckles just looking on like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to throw up a, a screen cap of that for oh, yeah, you guys just so you can. 
The yeah, yuckles the, are amazing. The yuckles really carried that episode. Yeah. Honestly, overall, my feeling about the show is pretty much the same as I remember thinking over a year ago, which is that there are some elements to it that play as if it's witty satirical commentary, but I just can't give them credit for that being intentional because no. the way those moments are presented doesn't seem like that's why they're doing it. It's almost like that's just happening by accident. <laughs> Maybe just because of our perspective on watching this show like 20, 25 years later. And that's how those scenes play to us. Hopefully we'll never have to talk about it again. But doesn't it make you feel kind of warm and fuzzy to revisit where our podcast started? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I'm just being a dick for the sake of it. There should be more Muppet based humor in the world. So. Yeah, truly. There really were a lot of those weird sci-fi gimmick sitcoms in the 80s and 90s. I know, right? Who the hell was greenlighting these shows? I'm glad you brought that up. I've got a special treat for you guys today. You know my secret television contact, Mr. Producer? Well, he's agreed to do a little interview for us today. That's a great idea. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go to the bathroom, like, real quick. But Barry, you're going to miss Mr. Producer. No, 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 no. I'll, 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 I'll be right back. Hello! Thanks so much for joining us today, Mr. Producer. Yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. So we are talking about aliens in the family a bit. Great show. It's not. We noticed a lot of sci-fi elements pop up in a lot of shows we covered this year. Would you say any of these sci-fi elements could be attributed to you? Absolutely. Sci-fi is my first and only love. Well, sci-fi and Ruth Ann McFellin who was my accountant from 1973 to 1976. <laughs> I got my start writing pulpy sci-fi romance novels, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I brought them up from time to time during slow pitch meetings. Oh, that's interesting. Did you ever try to option any of them for sitcoms? Oh, you bet. Let's see. Uh, well, I pitched My Landlord's a Poltergeist to CBS in 83, <laughs> Zortex the time-traveling comptroller to ABC, <laughs> How to Love a Sasquatch, which was based on a true story, of course, and most probably, most famously, the original Happy Days spinoff idea, Joni Loves El Chupacabra, back in 82. <laughs> Did any of these make it to air? Not a single one. Wow. Well, that, that's very informative. Um, how did you get your start in the television industry? Ah, the same as anyone, really. I started at the bottom of a sex pile at J. Michael Williamson's writer's retreat in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, a lot of the greats came out of there. Sherwin Settlefield, Matt Bopp, Leslie Ellis, John Mickleswith. Joanne McPherson, Alan Hitchcock. I don't think I've heard of any of these people. Did you say Alan Hitchcock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddie Hitchcock's cousin. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to ask you something you probably get asked from time to time. Mr. Producer, that's not your original name, right? Well, no, I, I will admit to that. When my family arrived at Ellis Island in 1905, we did change it. What was it before? Producerson. So you've been at this for a long time. Surprisingly, I still see your name pop up in credits every now and then. Any plans for retirement in the future? You know, I would, but I feel like I've just got too many great ideas to get out there. You know, they just come to me. Like, you know, that Big Bang Theory spinoff, Young Sheldon? Why not Younger Sheldon? Or hell, why not Old Sheldon? Okay, well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for... Uh, you know, how, how I met your mother. 
Why not How I Met Your Father? Okay, someone actually did try to make that one. Or, you know, how about a vehicle for 30-year-old Jonathan Lipnicki? <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk to you soon, Mr. Oh, Producer. Oh, maybe it just, you know, I don't know. I've got all kinds of ideas. Maybe there's a haunted crockpot. Or, <laughs> you know, there's just some form of tea kettle that wants to go on a dating show. I don't know. I'm looking around the room and these ideas are just popping out Okay, well, that's all the time we have. Big thanks to Mr. Producer for joining us and uh, enlightening us a lot about his uh, history and sitcom production back in the 80s and 90s. Thank you, Mr. Producer. Ugh, well, that was something. So we've talked about a lot today. Oh, God, he's calling back. (laughs) Oh, no. Aaron, don't answer it. But what if... It's not. But he's just going to... Turn it off! guys what did i miss live from two separate toronto apartments it's the first annual twizzy awards thank you everyone for joining us so what are the twizzies twas is of course our nickname for the pod And the Twuzzies are now our annual award show. We're honoring the wild and wacky sitcoms and characters that we spent too long talking about this season. So the three of us deliberated very carefully to choose the winners of awards in several categories based on our in-depth analysis over the course of this season. The first award is called the Completionist Award. And this award is given to a show where all three of us agree that we would actually want to watch every episode of that show. And the Completionist Award goes to the John Larroquette Show. Yay. Yeah. I I in particular was drastically shocked by how much that show exceeded my expectations. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would finish that show. Yeah, because you you could have swore that it was a show about John Larroquette's character from Night Court on his way to work at Night Court. Yeah, I was pretty <laughs> wrong about that. Good show, though. Yeah. Great so, show. The next award goes to the best, I guess, paranormal slash supernatural slash sci-fi slash fantasy character because, you know, there were a lot of them in these shows. An alien, a ghost, etc. This award goes to Snizzy from Aliens in the Family. (laughs) You know, she's amazing. She's a woman in STEM and she just happens to be an alien. It was kind of a toss-up between her and Jennifer Farrell because, of course, Jennifer Farrell is the most beautiful ghost in the world. She slept here. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, I believe Barry is up to present the next award. All right. So our next award is going to go to the schlubbiest dad. Now, in the sitcom world, there's a lot of schlubby dads, but this schlubby dad out all the other schlubby dads. <laughs> and the award goes to Doug Brody from Aliens in the Family. <laughs> yeah, and having just watched another episode of that show, uh, yeah, that only confirms our, yeah. our uh, theory that he's the schlubbiest dad. The next award is a bowling trophy for the best blue-collar character. And this bowling trophy goes to the deadbeat dad from muddling through Sonny Drago. <laughs> yeah. 
Love me a 90s deadbeat. He really like rocked that tank top. Yeah, so hunky. Oh, so hunky. Ugh. All right, uh, this one is less of a joke. Uh, we've got the uh, best set design. And uh, I, I, this one was, kind of, was a, a no-brainer. It went to the John Larroquette show. This set is amazing. But I mean, a special shout out probably should go to Hi Honey, I'm Home because man, the set design on that show was just really cool. Both of those shows had sets that were really on point. This next award is a very special award. It's called the Resilience Award. We're giving this award to the woman who has put up with a toxic male. And wouldn't you know it, it's a tie. The Resilience Award goes to Joni Cunningham for putting up with Chachi and to Aaron Moran for putting up with Scott Bayo. <laughs> Makes sense. Our next award is the Participation Award for showing up. <laughs> The Participation Award goes to Big Wave Daves for being a show that existed. <laughs> Yay! Oh, our next award is a very special award. It's the Wrong Quaid Award. And this one goes to... <laughs> Randy Quaid for Davis Rules. If you don't know the significance of this award, you should please listen to the episode. <laughs> This next award is the A-Lister Who Leveled Up Award, which we're presenting to Don Cheadle for leveling up after the Golden Palace. Still amazed that they got Don Cheadle for that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And this award is called the Best Betty White. Oddly, this one does not go to Betty White in the Golden Girls spinoff, The Golden Palace, but it goes to Betty White's absolutely hilarious performance as herself in the John Larroquette show's Sunset Boulevard parody called Here We Go Again. Congratulations, <laughs> Betty. Oh, nice. Betty. Call us. This next one had a lot of stiff competition. It was the best third act giant spider award. And the award goes to... Oh, it's the giant spider from the third act of that episode of Whoops. Oh, man, what an upset. <laughs> this one is kind of a last minute addition to the awards, but it might be our most important award. This award is for the best puppet in a sitcom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you guess who it goes to? Oh, man, a lot of competition this year. A lot of competition for this one. It goes to Aliens in the Family for the Yuckles. The Yuckles? Oh my God, I love the Yuckles. Oh, we just watched them. Yep. Awards were tabulated by the accounting firm of PricewaterhouseCoopers. <laughs> oh man, thank God uh, Warren Beatty didn't read them off. <laughs> oh, uh, so that was the Twizzies, everyone. I guess we should uh, talk a bit about how we started this podcast, because now that we've been doing this for more than a year, actually, when you count the, the preparation time, it's kind of a, a big accomplishment to look back on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed just with how consistent we've done this. You know, let's talk a little bit about each of our perspectives on starting a podcast that motivated us to do this. I'll, I'll kick us off here. I was always fascinated with podcasting as a medium. 
I was itching to do some sort of podcast, to produce a podcast for at least a few years probably before we ended up landing on this. And I have a background in film production, producing, directing, editing, some technical experience, but more video than audio. But I always sort of had a fascination with radio and spoken word storytelling ever since I was a little kid. And I listened to a lot of podcasts and actually some podcasts helped me through some periods of anxiety. I think, I'm not 100% certain, but I think the first podcast I ever listened to might have been WTF with Mark Marin, which is definitely a classic first podcast. I mean, he's like one of the pioneers of the medium and I still listen to that one today. And actually, Bryn and I started listening to the podcast, How Did This Get Made Together? And we've been listening to that for a very long yeah. time. And actually, we got to see their live show that they did in Toronto right before the pandemic started in fall of 2019. And, uh, you know, I grew up watching TV constantly like both of you. And I, I would watch TV while doing homework. I don't know if I ever told you this, Barry, but like when I was in high school, I often couldn't do kind of the more tedious homework without having a TV going at the same time. And I had a, like a TV tuner built into my computer so that I could actually watch cable in like a little window. So I'd have my like Microsoft Word document with my homework and then like a little like three inch window in the corner that would be playing like mostly Seinfeld and Simpsons reruns, mostly in syndication, <laughs> various sitcoms in syndication. And I think now I use podcasts in that way, where if I'm doing something that's kind of a monotonous task, I'll have the mm -hmm. podcast going uh, to prevent boredom. But also, you know, they're good for a long drive or a long walk or like they just kind of it's a it's an interesting medium because of the way that it can weave into your life. And all of that leads to connecting the dots on that and <laughs> Bryn and I discussing some possible ideas for a show, which we pitched to you, Barry, at uh, Storm Crow Manor in December of 2019. Yeah, seems like a lifetime ago. I remember. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like this podcast was 30 years in the making. You know, I like Aaron. <laughs> I always loved TV and was practically raised by sitcoms. I've retained so much information about obscure TV and actors. And, you know, this useless knowledge finally has a purpose. And, you know, Barry and I connected on this because we would always talk about these old obscure sitcoms together. And Aaron found that very, very fascinating. <laughs> and so basically this kind of, this desire to start a podcast, uh, you know, came from that. And we, I remember, like Aaron said, we kind of made this little plan where I had like a notes app on my phone and I had a list of old sitcoms and my plan was to just flash it to Barry and be like, what do you, what do you think of this list? Oh yeah, the this? list. Yeah. I forgot about the list. <laughs> like that was our pitch. Like our only pitch. <laughs> To you was what? Do, what do what do you think of these? Uh, this list of of titles here. Yeah, what do all these titles have in common? Yeah, do you remember that, Barry? Like we pulled you aside at your birthday party and did like a full on podcast pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know maybe it, it was my birthday, so maybe some of the details are a little fuzzy, but yeah, I do remember you guys coming to me uh, very excited and wanting to just having a proposition for. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and me just being like, oh, what the hell is this going to be? And just, uh, yeah, it was, I, I reacted pretty well because, yeah, I mean, I 
I, I love TV, man. I just love talking about TV in any form. And like, I'm not a podcast guy. I've been very upfront about that with you guys uh, from the beginning. I, if you guys say this is how a podcast does something, I will just go with what you're saying. Cause I, <laughs> I assume, I assume that you probably know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that fateful evening at Toronto's Stormcrow Manor is definitely the birthplace of this show, uh, as far in my brain at least. Shout out to Stormcrow Manor, one of the amazing small businesses here in Toronto. I started very early in the podcast. I I had a uh, I had a job working midnight stocking at a grocery store uh, back in, when I was probably twenty twenty one. All night long, I would listen to Kevin Smith's Smodcast, and like that was like just, one of the first podcasts ever. It was big. He was he was definitely the first very popular celebrity podcast, and I just remember even just the awkward feeling that I still get with podcasts, especially funny podcasts. I remember walking like I would be working at night. And just killing myself laughing and then having these moments of self-consciousness where I was like, how weird is it that I'm just wandering around laughing to myself? <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. I, I listen to some podcasts more now that we actually do them. Um, actually, that's that's kind of a good question. I mean, like not being a podcast guy that much. What what do you guys listen to? What do you like? What podcasts are your jam? You know, Yeah, I mean, I listen to a lot. <laughs> I listen to a lot. Like, I love anything that Paul Shear is involved with. Like, how did this get made and unspooled? Yeah, like I said before, we listen to a lot of uh, a lot of how did this get made. I have listened to a lot of how did this get made over the years. I will say that. I've listened to a lot of it. I mean, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is amazing and just like a fun time. I also really love Why Won't You Date Me by Nicole Byer. That's like a fun... <laughs> <laughs> it's I, like I a really, that. really yeah. fun uh, podcast. We actually happen to know some people, some really awesome fellow Canadian podcasters that I'd love to highlight. Like first and foremost, there's our very good friend, Bo Humphreys, who has a great podcast. It's not a TV podcast, but it's great nonetheless. It's called The Personal Finance Show. So you guys should check that out. Really awesome show. He's been at it for a long time and he gave us such great advice at the beginning of our little journey. Other friends of mine launched the Bad With Numbers podcast, which is kind of along those same lines as ours. If you really like That Was a Show, you'd also love the Bad With Numbers podcast. They take deep dives into really bad movie sequels. So shout out to the hosts, my friends, Roddy, Laura, Neth, and Megan. And of course, we should mention our new friends, Cadence and Colin at the Be Watch Rewatch. They're not Canadian, but they're still awesome. <laughs> they are. Yeah. One other thing that I do with podcasts is I listen to podcasts while running, even though it might not seem like those would be uh, energizing for sport. And uh, the podcasts that I listen to the most while running are Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which Bryn uh, mentioned. And also that's usually when I'll listen to more like current events or politics or news podcasts. So a lot of Canada Land, all of the various podcasts from the Canada Land network that are made here. I, I will say this, uh, the running the running thing doesn't seem that weird. I mean, for one, you wouldn't know this to look at Aaron, but he can run really fast. <laughs> He's very fast. Um, it's but, wild. <laughs> actually, I briefly got into running uh, last year uh, very 
very briefly for anybody who knows me knows how brief uh and actually that is when i was listening to podcasts um i i found them very distracting because i hate running so so much that if i was focusing on the podcast i could usually get through the run i'm glad you brought up that you know it's not all comedy podcasts like i do listen to comedy podcasts like i do really like how did this get made i do uh, still listen to smogcast from time to time with kevin smith um I really, really like Quick Questions with uh, Soren Bowie and uh, Dan O'Brien, who are just two absolutely hilarious uh, comedy writers that I really, really respect and just love. <laughs> I have friends in uh, California. They do uh, a podcast called uh, I Think You'd Be Into It. Brandon and Beth do this show that is basically they let their guests kind of pick a topic uh, and they just kind of try to sell them on it and like it's so wide ranging <laughs> and it's yeah it's i'm actually i'm i'm actually going to be on it uh this week so nice. that should be kind of fun the last podcast i'll mention is uh it's another it's a canadian podcast it's out of toronto uh it's called the faculty of horror by uh andrea subiasati and uh alexandra west and it's just a celebration of horror usually kind of dissected through like a feminist lens and it's just a fucking awesome podcast Podcasts are awesome. <laughs> so we talked about some really awesome podcasts that we love and talked a bit about our origin story, I guess you could say. Let's take a couple minutes and just like reflect on this experience of this first season. Yeah, in the spirit of this, let's look back at everything that we've accomplished and it feels really nice to get to this point at the end of our first season. I agree. Absolutely. It's just been a, a wild ride and uh, it's been a, a lot of work. I mean, mostly on your end. <laughs> so it's been a chaotic year, obviously. Although no one's experience of this historical time has been the same, it's been difficult for everybody. It's been difficult all around. I found that doing this podcast was a tangible thing that I could really look forward to. No matter how bad or anxiety-riddled my week was, I knew that I could unplug for a bit, watch some weird, obscure sitcom, and talk about it with two of my favorite people in the whole world. So first of all, I, I, just, I really want to thank both of you for creating this with me. I... Ugh. I love you both, and I look forward to many more seasons together. I'm really proud of us. We've really grown up over the season, and I'm excited to keep going. Also, big thanks to these tenacious writers and producers in the 80s and 90s for making questionable TV series and giving us <laughs> endless content for discussion. <laughs> I'll also thank my family, even though I'm not convinced any of them listen to this. <laughs> Prove her wrong, guys. Prove her wrong. <laughs> I want to thank all the Ontario coffee roasters and local Toronto cafes for fueling these fun discussions. Absolutely. And keeping oh, us God, constantly yes. caffeinated. I also want to thank some of our amazing guests and collaborators this season. Samantha McAdam, Jonathan Wolf, our fellow podcasters, Cadence and Colin from Be Watch Rewatch. So we definitely want to do more collaborations and have more special guests next season. Though this is not about the podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank everyone who's really making a difference in the world right now. Thank you to all the frontline workers who are taking care of all of us during this crisis. And thank you to the activists leading the fights for racial justice. 
It really is amazing that we came up with the idea for this podcast in late December 2019, rented some gear, not knowing what we were doing, and recorded our first three episodes in February 2020. Interesting timing. And then we went into lockdown. So we stuck it out with the plan, recorded episodes over video chat, which we are still doing today, and put out an episode approximately every two weeks. And now we're up to 24. <laughs> Wild. It's been a lot of work, uh, but it is a labor of love. First of all, thank you to my wife, partner in life, and many creative endeavors, Bryn. I love you, and I love that we get to do this together. Ah. You motivate me to do my best work. Barry, thank you for elevating our conversations, bringing lots of laughs, and being a great friend. Oh, I didn't even know you guys were an item. <laughs> you spoke at our wedding. All right. <laughs> Listening back to older episodes and tracking our growth as hosts, I'm very proud of us and very grateful to the friends and family that have encouraged us and supported us along the way. And I'm excited about where we go from here. And thank you to our audience all over the world in 25 countries and counting. It gives us such a thrill to know that you're out there listening to us, especially being in a global pandemic. This really helps us feel connected. <laughs> it's, it's always weird when it's time for me to try to be serious. I guess if I'm thanking anyone, you know, besides the countless frontline and medical workers who are working round the clock to keep the world going, it's, well, everyone listening right now. Like many creative people, I find myself with less and less outlets to be creative the busier I get with, you know, my so-called life. <laughs> get it? Pop culture reference. But, you know, between working and struggling with mental health issues, pop culture often ends up being my oasis at the end of the day. To have a place to come, watch some silly sitcoms, and have some laughs with two of my best friends in the world is the rarest gift in this current dark place we're all in. But to have all of you out there listening and laughing along with us, it feels truly special. Those of you who've taken the time to send us those little encouraging messages or ideas for shows to cover, it always brings like the biggest fucking smile to my face. And I tried to do this without swearing, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. So fuck. Fuck me, right? And of course, you know, to you, Bryn and Aaron, who make me just a funnier version of myself than I could ever hope to be in my daily life. And for making me laugh so consistently, this has been just wonderful. And on the topic of appreciating our listeners, we have a listener question that we're going to play. Whoa. Hi, that was a show. This is Dane and Vive calling from Ontario, Canada. We've got two questions for you. First is how do you pick your series? Second, when you do pick your series, how do you decide which episodes you'll watch? Hi, Dane and Vive. Thanks for the questions. <laughs> so the first question was, how do we pick the shows we review? I, it's a very rigorous process. Thank you so <laughs> much for asking that. I mean, generally, uh, when it's my term to pick a show, I Google bad sitcoms from <laughs> 80s and 90s and I read some lists and then I see hey do any of those kind of sound funny something to mention that I don't know if we've maybe we've touched on it already um in an earlier episode 
as we're researching these shows, we always stumble upon other shows. So it's sort of like a an organic discovery. And we'll like we have a running list of shows that we want to cover. And I'll be researching one show and I'll see that one of these actors that's in the show is in this other show that kind of fits our criteria as well. It's a short-lived or virtually forgotten show from either of those decades. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let's add it to the list. Like it's just, it's there's a constant barrage. Like, so as soon as you start working on something like this, we are constantly researching these shows, you're going to find more. It's just gonna happen. It's like a uh, what's the word? It's like it's a constant, it's like a a spring of like the well, the a well spring. Yeah, it's like a well spring. It, it'll ne- <laughs> it'll never dry up. It truly will never dry up. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because like (laughs) in the early days of the podcast, I think maybe we tried to discuss like, well, what's our process going to be to pick shows and how are we (laughs) We, going to like go about going through research and figuring that out? But what happened very quickly was exactly that. Like (laughs) this flood of shows just kept coming in and we're just like writing down this list. And at this point, it's very long. Every time we review a show, we end up with three or four more to add to the list. So yeah, Yeah. it just it's growing out of control. In the beginning, we definitely started out with shows that we remembered. Yes. Yeah. And it really spun out from there. And I remember even briefly having a moment in the beginning being like, ah, man, like how, how long can we really do this for? And then like every week I keep being like, oh, forever, forever. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that we should probably mention is this is sort of an Easter egg. We, we touch on this occasionally, but we've basically picked shows to some degree on theme in in threes. So every three shows we review kind of connect with each other through some sort of loose theme. And and that doesn't always hold completely true. But we the, the most classic example that we did this season was three shows that were all failed spinoffs, for example, where we did three spinoffs in a row. So we've usually tried to roughly guide our selection that way. And so the other question that Dane and Vive asked was, how do we decide which episodes we'll watch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's usually just like in the the process of researching, we kind of, you know, read episode descriptions and like we always try to watch the pilot because that always gives a sense of what the original premise and what the original yeah. intention with the bare bones kind of intention of the show is. Yeah. So usually it's, it's the pilot. It's generally the pilot. And if we want to watch an additional show, we'll decide based on our research. So if there's like a show with a, an especially interesting guest star or has a particularly um, ridiculous, ridiculous premise, premise <laughs> or plot description, that's what we'll choose. Some of them, you know, it's like a very intentional thing. Like when we did... Um, Out of This World, for example, that was a pretty long running show. And I chose very strategically um, to do three separate episodes that took place on the characters birthdays because I thought it would like, you know, be a funny uh, way to go on a journey throughout time and see this character hit different milestones. And so it, it, there is a bit of strategy there, but it really just it, it's kind of like as soon as we start researching the show. That's when we we decide. We start with the pilot, and then if there's going to be one more, then it comes out in the research. Hope that answers your questions. Thanks, Dane and Vive. <laughs>
Well, season one was fun, and we had a lot of laughs, but some things are no laughing matter. What did each of us learn from season one of That Was a Show? I learned that in the 80s and 90s, when there were few networks and limited time slots, most shows were trying to reach a broad audience, so exploring sitcoms from that era reveals a lot about the socio-political attitudes of the time. Most of it, not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I learned a very similar thing. <laughs> I learned that sitcoms from the 80s and 90s reflected the mainstream culture and attitudes of those decades better than any other medium. You can see how far we've come as a society by rewatching a half hour of television. I like that we landed on the same page with that. <laughs> I learned that some sitcoms put a lot of effort into getting it right, to really, really making sure the script works. And I also learned that most sitcoms just throw the first draft at the fucking screen. <laughs> <laughs> well... As season one draws to a close, I propose a toast to celebrate. A, <laughs> a toast to the host who can boast the most roast. Oh, boy. <laughs> Congratulations to us all. <laughs> Yay. Cheers. Cheers. For anyone listening who didn't get that reference, that's from The Simpsons. On our end, we are drinking a delicious summer session guava passion fruit pilsner from Lost Craft. This is not a paid endorsement, but this is a very uh, genuine endorsement <laughs> for Lost Craft Brewery in Toronto. Yep. Oh, I like Lost Craft a lot, actually. We love them. They're the best. I'm drinking uh, a brew from a very little known small brewery. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Guinness? <laughs> <laughs> So in my quest to hide the DIY nature of our production behind the glittering facade of a bigger studio, we've limited our credits to identifying ourselves as hosts. But recently it occurred to me that this may accidentally result in some listeners thinking that there might be people behind the scenes who we are not properly crediting. So in the spirit of explaining how the sausage is made as we wrap up our first season, here are the complete credits. That Was a Show is a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. The show is hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. We also do all the research and analysis and take turns selecting the shows and writing the show descriptions. All the in-depth and exhaustive research for Six Degrees of Friends and the spin-off is done by Bryn Burney, who presents those segments. All the Mr. Producer sketches are written and improvised by Barry Helmer. The show artwork is by our incredibly talented friend and designer, Brian Walker. Our theme song is by Michael Lavanios. Our social media is managed by Brim Burney. Audio engineering and recording is done by myself, Aaron Yeager, and in the case of most episodes this season that required social distancing due to COVID, also by Barry Helmer, who has his own recording set up as well. The hours of editing, mixing, and mastering for each episode is done by me, Aaron Yeager, with important editorial contributions from Bryn Burney, who makes tough decisions when we need to cut stuff out. And then there's our executive producer. Yeah, she's really tough, but fair. She cracks a whip. She's a calico cat named Gizmo. 
That Was a Show is hosted on Anchor. One of the best things about podcasting is that it's a democratizing medium, and Anchor helps make this concept a reality by providing professional-grade podcast hosting and distribution for free. They even provide the tools to do the recording in their app right on your phone. So if you want to create a podcast of your own and want to get your voice and story out into the world, this is accessible to anyone. Thank you, Anchor. And that is season one. Thank you all for listening. Tell your friends about the show and help us spread the word. We look forward to coming back very soon for season two. Cue the applause. (laughs) And theme song. That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That Was a Show? Radio Gizmo. (laughs) That was a season? Oh, shit. Did you not write a moral? No, I haven't been recording. No, I'm just fucking with you. (gasps) Barry, don't do that! That's terrible!